Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. No accountability whatsoever, but he hasn't had it the whole time. He's never been accountable. I mean, this guy, this guy is the worst leader you could possibly have. The guy's not a great player. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, Thanksgiving has come and gone. Hopefully you got a lot of turkey, some stuffing, some cranberry as we watch these games in Week 12 of the National Football League and Boy, there's a lot to talk about starting with what we saw in Charlotte yesterday. Yeah, and I, and I apologize, Femi, for leaving you at the altar. You know, I mean, I got COVID again for the second time. I don't understand how I did that, but I did. <laughs> it wasn't as bad this time, although, you know, in season one of The Sopranos, when Tony was having those dreams here on Gilligan's Island, mm-hmm. you know, he was talking about that. I was having those dreams, too. I didn't see, I didn't see Big Push as a fish, you know, $4 a pound. Swimming's the best exercise, but I had some really weird-ass dreams, and I wish those dreams would have told me who was going to win games so I could have given out a lot of good picks. But anyway, I'm over it. I'm back. I feel a little bit better this week. I don't know if you ever get over it, but I am. I'm ready to go. And as soon as I felt a little bit better on Thanksgiving Day, I watched Dan Campbell's game management. We'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. And then on Sunday, I watched some shitty game management going on. And you know, frankly, let's be honest. Without it, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> we wouldn't. So we uh, we appreciate these coaches and some of the decisions that they make. But more importantly, Michael, we are glad that you are up and back up to speed here and feeling a little bit better after the uh, the COVID gotcha last week. But, Michael, let's get into these games. And when you wanted to start with Denver and Carolina, the Panthers go ahead and improve to 4-8 and eight on the season. They beat the Broncos 23-10 to 10 in a game that was offensively not so pretty, once again, from that Denver side especially here. And uh, this Broncos team, at, at what point does this thing end up changing with the head coach? And I know the quarterback, they're locked in on that, but they got to do something because clearly this isn't working out. Well, you know, look, I, I watched this game from start to finish because Maddie, my son, is is down there in Carolina, so I have interest in the game. Mm-hmm. And his mother makes sure that the game is on the big screen in our house. And <laughs> with the volume? With the volume turned yes. <laughs> all the way up, you know? So, you know, and by the way, I saw a commercial yesterday that they said, meet NFL legend RG3. I mean, <laughs> when did he become a fucking legend? I mean, seriously, when did he become an NFL legend? I know he won the Heisman. I know he was great at Baylor. But can you please do a documentary on when he became a legend? Anyway, I'll get back to that. I saw that commercial. I went off the hook. I mean, I, I, I was going nuts. Anyway, so, I, uh, you know, look, I think as an executive of the league, you know, this is a painful time because there's decisions that you have to make. And I worked with Paul Hackett. I really like Paul Hackett a lot. I learned a lot of football from his father, Nathaniel's father, Paul. So it pains me to say this, but as an executive watching the Denver Broncos, the team doesn't care anymore. The team's not mm-hmm. listening anymore. They're not hearing anymore. They're not playing with any enthusiasm anymore. I mean, they're just going through the motions. They're waiting for the guillotine to drop. Now, I'm not saying that if it drops, it's going to get better. All I'm saying is is basically the team's not listening. And as the general manager, that's the number one thing you've got to evaluate. When everybody was on Josh McDaniels' ass, as the media campaign was trying to get him fired through the worldwide leader and all through the outside sources, you could say the Raiders suck. I didn't disagree. But they were playing hard. And they were mm-hmm. listening to what the coaches were saying, even though they weren't very good. They're still not very good. They play hard, and they and you can see the messaging to the field, right? That's what you want to see as an executive. You want to be able to see, are they buying in? Is the team meetings being helpful? And when I watched Denver yesterday, Femi, there was it was lethargic. There was nothing there. They, they were just going through the motions, and that's the worst place to be in football. And I feel bad for Nathaniel. I feel bad for him. I feel bad that he got put in a job that I don't think he was ready for. So I think that I know that they're proud of their process in Denver of how they came to Nathaniel Hackett. It was the wrong process. You might want to reevaluate that. Remember, when you have five people involved in a decision, it's going to be a bad decision because they've never dedicated a monument to a committee. So 
you know, that's a big issue. I just think to me, if I'm the owner of the Broncos, I'm going to have to do something right now. Now that doesn't absolve mm. our, our, our Robert. Our, I mean, it doesn't absolve my man Russell Wilson. But I got to try to get the team to play at a higher level. So, if you were the owner or the general manager of the Denver Broncos, would you make that change at head coach today? I, I would do it today. I would have done it on the plane last night. I mean, and I don't. It's to me, this isn't about Nathaniel not being qualified. It's that that's already been determined. He's the job's too big for him, right? We've seen that already. You know. What I would say is we've got to get our play. We got to spend the next few weeks trying to evaluate what we have. We got to do an autopsy, and as long as the messaging's not being heard, we can't really do an autopsy. So you know, promote the defensive coordinator, give him a chance to see what he can do, to see if he'll rally the team around him, you know, and try to find a way to get to evaluate some of these players because defensively, as good as they've been all year. You know, they weren't very good yesterday. I mean, Carolina rushed 40, had 46 rushes for 185 yards. And their longest run of the, of the game was only 18 yards. So it wasn't like they took off for a long run. Like, they were able to make yards doing some things in the pa- in the run game. So, for me, I, I got to be able – you got to salvage something of the season. And I, I don't think interim coaches are the best thing. But when you see the players have stopped listening and there's disheartening within the building and there's – a lack of true effort, then you, you, you can't fire the team and you certainly can't fire the quarterback. And the quarterback's not defending anybody either. Let's be honest here. You're going to have to hold somebody accountable. And unfortunately, I think it's the head coach. I, it, to me, at 4 o'clock today, I would not be surprised if they made a move. Because if you just look at the landscape, all the symptoms that tell you to make a change are there. It's been a disaster season for the Denver Broncos. And to kind of cap it off from a betting perspective, that loss yesterday clinched their regular season win total under. That total was set at 9.5 this summer, and they've already went ahead and lost eight games this season. So that's just putting into context how bad it's been. You mentioned the quarterback, though, Michael, and you were watching the game, so I'm sure you saw it as well. The Denver defense starting to get a little ornery about Russell Wilson. One of the defensive linemen, I believe Purcell uh, is his name, was yelling at Russell Wilson. And they asked Russell Wilson about that after the game, and he said, hey, he was just saying that let's get effing going, and I agree with him. Like, we got to get it going. What did you make of that? And Could there be a potential dissension within that locker room with the offense being so anemic all throughout this season? You know, what I've learned in, in football in my career is you can't fit, you can't fool the players, right? You can't fool them. You can't stand in front of them and say, Russell's great, you know, when they know he's not great. And so that, that disconnects there. There's going to be turmoil in the locker room because when your best player isn't your best player, and your highest paid player isn't your best player, you're going to have a bad locker room. That just, just no two ways around it. You just can't fix that. You know, this is a mistake that was in the design of, of it, not the production. It was in the design. And so when you did that and you gave him this huge contract, you, you created the dissension within your locker room. So the Denver defense is tired of playing doubleheaders. They can't mm-hmm. play from in front. They can't really utilize their skill set. I mean, they, they don't score any points on offense. You know, yesterday they're four for fourteen on third down. And Oof. Russell, to me, reminded me when I was watching the game yesterday. I wrote in my notes, he's Allen Iverson when he went to the Nuggets. Mm. You know that. Remember Iverson in his prime was oh, exceptionally man. at just being able to penetrate. You know, get some shots off that maybe he shouldn't, and make plays that he shouldn't have made. Well, th- you know, once he lost that step, once he lost that explosiveness, and he couldn't do that, all of a sudden. Being six feet tall became a problem. All of a sudden, not being able to finish became a problem. That's with Russell. He can't escape from anybody. He's got no burst, no quickness. You know, he's got all the words to say it. He's got all the verbiage. Oh, you know, let's do this. this. But he's not an athlete anymore. He's not the same athlete. He's slow. He's methodical. He's a plotter. He doesn't get away from it. And then when he's on the move, he's never making a play. So to me, he's that, that's the scary part. You know, last year we talked about it on this pod. We said, hey, look, the guy, the guy rushed for his career low of 183. They went ahead and traded for him anyway. They had to be concerned about it. You know, they had to be concerned that he didn't escape. And Seattle, John Schneider, give him credit. I mean, the son of a gun, he saw it. And, and just like we all saw it, like they weren't going to pay him that contract and they got rid of a player. So God bless them, and Denver stuck with it. Now Denver, you know, you're George Payton. You're, you're in charge to pick the quarterback and pick the head coach because he does have that job. You say, well, Lombardi, you know, you never, you didn't pick a right. I, I've never had the authority to pick the coach and pick the quarterback. No, that those jobs are hard to get. 
Those jobs are hard to get in the NFL. Like in the mafia, there's a lot of layers in between those jobs, right? <laughs> you, you might have influence, but you ain't picking them. Therefore, you know, Peyton's going to have to sit with this one. Russell Wilson yesterday, two carries for eight yards, something that you didn't see in the first 10 years of his career there. And uh, we we're yeah, talking 125 <laughs> yards passing, Femi. It's yeah, 125 yeah, yards yeah. passing. It, it, I mean, he tried atrocious. to throw it. They averaged 3.3 per pass. I mean, everybody makes fun of Sam Darnold. He averaged 8.6 in the game. Now, he wasn't great. I mean, the Broncos' defense held, held Carolina to 2 for 12 on third down. 2 for 12 on third down. They lost by double digits. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Uh, one of my early season predictions, and we'll kind of put a bow on this whole Denver thing, was for Denver to do the big things, to w- possibly win the division, maybe win the AFC, or, or even win the Super Bowl. I predicted Broncos-Packers in the Super Bowl. That's looking smart. Uh, so we got we got to go ahead and give the Mia Coppola on that. I was dead-ass wrong on the Denver Broncos this season. 3-8, and 1-5 and five on the road, but it's been an atrocious season here for Denver. And, uh, yeah, that's a big old whiff. There'll be chances that we'll get to do the victory laps. That's coming up later on this season. But we got to go ahead and uh, take the, the, the ugly yeah, look, pill as well. Hey, hey, look, you know, the only way you learn in life is to admit your mistake. I got to yeah. tell scouts, the young scouts that <laughs> talk to me, if you ever meet a scout that tells you never, it tells you when the first time you meet him, he said, oh, I found these five players. Well, no, tell me about the three guys you fucked up on. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't admit your mistakes, you're never going to learn anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Hopefully, I take away some lear- some lear- learning uh, throughout this loss with the Denver Broncos this uh, this season there because man, that was one of the ugly predictions that I made. But Michael, let's keep it moving though, and let's go to the desert. Fun game that we saw in Arizona, uh, a really interesting betting market. But just what we saw on the field there, the Chargers come from behind to beat the Arizona Cardinals twenty five to twenty four. It felt like Arizona was in control for much of that game, but. We saw at the end there, Brandon Staley rolling the dice once again. This time it comes up seven as they convert the two-point conversion there with about 15 seconds to go, and they win it 25-24. You know, it's funny. We start off this podcast talking about the two guys who got contract extensions, the highest-paid quarterbacks in the National Football League, and, and they can't deliver. One guy can't even get his team in contention, and the other guy's got three drives in the fourth quarter, and you know he scores a touchdown on the first drive. And then he goes, the next three drives, he goes three and out, three and out, three and out. I mean, he's got a chance to win the game. He gets the ball back with 219 to go in the game, right? And they go three plays, and they net three yards. You know, the, the drive before it, the, the drive before it, when they got it, they have the ball at the Arizona 25, right? And if they just get three points or anything, they've got a chance to put the game away. Three plays and out. The drive before that, got a chance to put the game away. Just scored a touchdown. You could add to the lead, right? I to get the ball at the Arizona six-yard line, you get eight yards. I mean, so their fourth quarter is they basically got had one drive in the fourth quarter. They had 11 plays, got five first downs, scored, and then they couldn't do shit afterwards. And that's the game. I mean, that's the game. I mean, not that the Chargers were doing anything. The Chargers had four drives in the fourth quarter, four, three punts, and, and their last drive was a touchdown. Give them credit. They made the plays when they had to make it. But at the end of the day, all they have to do, all they have to do is make a play. All they have to do. Now, I know they missed a field goal in the third quarter, which was a killer from the 31-yard. It was a 48-yard field goal. I mean, that happens. But the, at the end of the day, I mean, Murray doesn't make any plays. I mean, think about it. I mean, look, did you see the game book? I mean, the, guy does, the guy's got what he's got, like 29 passing attempts for 191 yards. I mean, like, seriously, like, who are we beating with that? Now, I get this. I get that the team I, – I, I've, I've said this all about the team. I think the team sucks in terms of their design. Yeah. But you know, but you lost to Herbert, and if you're Vance Joseph, you get Herbert averaged four point eight yards per attempt, and you still lost. You're supposed to win that game. They out yarded them. They had five point seven yards per play to the Chargers four point nine. If you look at the box score, it says Arizona should have won. Now those two turnovers ended up being the difference in this game. And Murray was asked about one of those turnovers. I'm sure you saw this after the game in the post game press conference. There, the fourth and one interception, and he said, "quote schematically, we were kind of effed." On that play, what did you? Think? I know I see you chuckling I mean, about the mayor. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. Is can the guy throw any more people under a bus? I mean, just take your two hundred fifty million and go to some island. Like if I were Michael Bidwell, I'd be sitting there saying, "You guys talked me into giving this guy two hundred fifty million." I mean, this is what we want to represent our franchise. I mean, you talk about the locker room. What do you think that locker room thinks about? You know, throw Cliff under the bus. Cliff just got you 250. Throw anybody else under the bus. No accountability whatsoever. But he hasn't had it the whole time. He's never been accountable. I mean, this guy, this guy is the worst leader you could possibly have. 
You know, he's the worst, and he's not a great player. Let's let's put that out there. I know everybody wants to put him in the Hall of Fame from the worldwide leader and beep beep and all that bullshit. The guy's not a great player. Like somebody's got to say it. Like have some guts and say, look, Russell sucks, right? I mean, I'm watching, I'm listening to the broadcast yesterday, and they were trying to say it. Who was doing the game? Uh, oh, Robert Smith was doing the game. Uh, the, uh, Robert Smith from Ohio yep. State, the running back the from running Minnesota. Back. He was trying to be polite, but just say it. Russell sucks. He's terrible. Like, like there was actually a moment in the game where they talked about, it looked like they were going to put Rip into the game. I don't know if it was true or not, but it was 21. I think it was when it was 21 to 24 to 3, the game was out of touch, but they didn't. And they actually had that conversation, you know? And and so in this game, to me, like, you get your best player in the fourth quarter, right? And I'm going to say the same thing about Brady when we talk about goddamn Tampa losing to, Tampa losing to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You got you got the fourth quarter. You The ball's in your best player's hands. He's got to make the plays. You got to get first downs in the fourth quarter to win games. You can't just win on defense. You give them too many at-bats, they're going to hit a home run. Pretty rough shape down there in Arizona. Real quick on the Chargers front there, what did you make of Staley's decision to go for that two-point conversion to try to win the game, which they ultimately did? Well, I think to me, you know, look, it works. It's great. Uh, I'm on the conservative side. I probably would have kicked it. But give them credit. They they probably felt like they had a good play, right? And they Mm -hmm. did have a great play. You know, they ran like a delay inside to Everett. So, you know, if you have a good play and you haven't used up all your your plays, go ahead. Put the ball in Herbert's hands. I mean, do you want to put the ball in your defense's hands? I mean, Staley can't, still can't stop anybody. I mean, yeah. James Conner James Connor rushed for 120 yards against him, 24, 25 carries. I mean, he ain't stopped anybody running the football. If, if he would have played against a legitimate NFL quarterback yesterday, they would have got beat. They would have put 40 on him. I mean, if Colt McCoy plays in that game, I'm telling you, if Colt McCoy plays in that game, I think the Cardinals win. Wow. That's that's uh, pretty damning there for Kyler Murray, who went ahead and signed that mega extension at the uh, the offseason earlier this year here. But Chargers, they win it with the two-point conversion. We also saw the Jacksonville Jaguars, Michael, win it with a two-point conversion with the 15 seconds left to go in that game against the Baltimore Ravens. Jags go ahead and beat the Ravens 28-27. Baltimore blowing yet another two-score lead in the fourth quarter. All four of their wins, or four of their losses, I should say, have been with them leading and blowing some big leads here. Uh, What do we make of this Ravens team going forward here as we approach December, heading into the playoffs? I'm sure they'll get there, but do you have any confidence in this Ravens outfit? I mean, I don't have any confidence that they're going to be able to consistently move the ball with their offense. I mean, this game really came down to the fourth quarter, right? Both teams had four. One team had four possessions in the fourth quarter. Was and the, they really had three possessions in the fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. the fourth quarter is they couldn't get a stop. They couldn't get. They got one stop. They fumbled the ball. They turned the ball over again in the fourth quarter. That's the essence of the game, right? And the other essence of the game is they couldn't score in the red zone. I mean, they they were in the red zone. They're they're knocking on the door. They never got the ball in the end zone. They kept kicking field goals. You're not going to win the game like that. I've said this all along about Jacksonville. I think they're the most talented team in the South. I really do. Uh, they're not the best team in the South. I think they're the most talented team. I think they make too many mistakes coaching. They almost made one yesterday, fam. I mean, they almost made one yesterday. Okay, so let's go through it. I mean, this is another classic example, all right? They squib kick the ball. Patterson squib kicks the ball to, to them, right? They, they, they want to get the ball in play, right? Yeah. So there's 14 seconds on the clock. They squib kick it. I mean, they squib kicked it to the 39. I mean, if you're going to make the ball in play, you got to kick it to the 10. You can't let it get to the 39. I mean, that's that's Justin Tucker on the other sideline, right? <laughs> like, we got to know that. We got to know that. And so, but there's so many plays in the game. Like, once again, you know, I mean, when you look at the game book and you go through every week, there's always a play where they give up the ball on downs. You know, they, the first drive of the game, they get the ball to the midfield. They, they give it up on downs, right? First drive of the game. Now, you know, they got it, and that led to a field goal. Eight plays later, they kick it from the jet. Those three points cost you the game. But nobody says anything about it because they won the game. And, and those mistakes constantly come back on Jacksonville. If they would just play a clean game, and not try to take as many chances. Now you say it worked. Okay, it worked. But to me, they take way too many chances. And look, they were good yesterday, you know, even with ATN getting hurt. I mean, they won that game with ATN only having two carries in the game. Think about that. It's pretty remarkable. And Trevor Lawrence, how about his day? 29 of 37, 
321 yards, three touchdowns. And I think Lawrence is a pretty good example of, hey, like progression for these young quarterbacks especially, it's not linear. It's not they, they just continue to get better, get better, get better, get better until they get old and they start to get worse. These are peaks and valleys, and we saw some of the peaks yesterday from Lawrence. And it's why it's hard to kind of give up on him when we talk about these class of 2021 quarterbacks because, like we said, he can make the hard stuff look, look easy and the easy stuff look hard. But yesterday I thought he was dialed in and on point and beat a pretty good team. Uh, he was unbelievable. I mean, he made some incredible throws. The the, the throw to, to Zay Jones, yeah. you know, he made a th- he made a throw to. Yeah. I mean, he made a throw to. I think it was uh, the other Jones, the touchdown throw in the back of the end zone. I mean, that mm-hmm. was an incredible throw. So and look, you know, at the end of the day, if you're the Ravens, you know, you got you, you attempt 32 passes in the game, you get 16 incompletions. You had 16 completions. You you got to find a way to have more balance in your passing game, you know. And and you got to find a way to to kind of get the ball into the middle of the field, and they haven't been able to do that. I mean, Lamar led the team in rushing. He only had his longest run was twelve yards, but they never could get a rhythm with their offense. And when they got down in the red zone, they didn't have a they didn't have anything. Look, I'm going to say it till I'm deaf, I'm, until I can't talk anymore. The guy belongs under center. The guy mm-hmm. belongs under center. He needs to be in, under center more than just shotgun. Give yourself a chance. Yeah. You know, get a lead back in there. Help the run game a little bit. Run, some, Be able to run different play actions. You know, they have no passing game. I mean, they lose this game yesterday. You know, they, they had 415 yards. But why did they lose the game? Because they lost the game because of the red zone. I mean, you know, when they get down the red, they're two for five in the red zone. One for three, goal to go. I've been saying it forever. It's just not – it doesn't happen. That, that offense, I don't think that offense is going to win a playoff game. I really don't. I agree with you. It's it's hard to buy into this team based on what they do. And and Greg Roman, the scheme, I think, is a little stale. But final note on this game, Michael, before we take our first break, this is from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. He said, this is the first week multiple teams won on a two-point conversion in the final two minutes of regulation since the NFL added the play in 1994. Just two teams ever had a game-winning two-point play in the final 15 seconds before we saw the Jaguars and Chargers do it yesterday. So pretty wild Are you betting the, Jagu- bet the Jaguars? I mean, here's the Jaguars. They have the Lions, the Titans, mm-hmm. the Cowboys, the Jets, the Texans, and the Titans again. So they got to play the Titans twice. Yeah. Right? And they got to play, which, look, the Titans are a great team. They got the Lions up in Detroit. They'll move the ball on them. But, I mean, I, I think to me they'll be lucky to get the seven wins. It's going to be interesting to see how they do down the stretch here because I think that they have the ceiling to give some of these playoff teams some problems, but they also have the floor, like you mentioned, when they don't play those clean games to lose to anybody. I mean, they as lose well. to Houston thirteen to six in week five. I mean, they lose yeah. to Houston. They lose to they lose again to <laughs> they they beat Indianapolis earlier. They dominate and they lose to them. They, they then they lose to the they lose to the Giants in a game they should have won. They had that game. They should have won that game. Then they lose to Denver over in London. They should have won that game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're in a lot of these games. The opening game against the Commanders, they should have yeah. won. They're the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde kind of team here in the NFL. But, Michael, let's take our first break. On the other side, we'll talk about Brady and the Bucks blowing a game against the Browns. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
All right, Michael, let's get back to the games here that we saw yesterday in overtime in Cleveland. We saw the Cleveland Browns beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 23-17. For about an hour and a half of real time, it felt like Tampa Bay was going to pull away, but they just were unable to do it. And there was some questionable decision-making, I thought, from Todd Bowles at the end of regulation. We'll get into all that, but your thoughts here on Tampa Bay going back below 500. I mean, I was really – I thought Tampa Bay coming off the bye against a bad against a bad Cleveland defense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that we'd be able to run the football. They did. I mean, White had 14 carries for 64 yards, but they never got any rhythm going on offense. And then when they had a chance to put the game away in the fourth quarter, they didn't make the throws. They didn't make the plays that they needed to make in the fourth quarter. I mean, this game comes down to the fourth quarter. Really, when you look at it, here's the fourth quarter for the Bucks. Six place punt, three place punt, three place punt, right? One of those drives, they had a holding call in there, right? I mean, they had a drive in there where they got the ball with 235 to go at the Tampa Bay 20, okay? And, and Cleveland's got three timeouts. They open up, they run the ball, Cleveland calls timeout. Okay, good. Now it's second and they lost the three yards or something. They call, a, they call a pass and Brady throws an incomplete pass, stops the clock. Then they get sacked. You know, I mean, and so now you lose ten yards on the drive. Now you're punting. Cleveland got the ball at the forty. Cleveland got the ball at the forty-eight yard line. You know, at the forty-six mm-hmm. at your own forty-six, and they mm-hmm. come back down. But there were so many times in the game. I mean, they could have put the game away. They couldn't. Think about this, Femi. They they scored with seven forty-one to go in the third quarter to go up seventeen to ten. They had a seventeen-play drive for eighty yards. After that drive, they punted the ball. They punted the ball six times. They punted every single time they got possession. The only time they didn't punt was at the end of the game. And regulation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's and they got and they basically at that point, from that point in the game, they got six first downs. Like there's something wrong with your adjustment. Like I thought Brady would be able to get him in the line of scrimmage, figure out, figure out what they're in. I mean, it wasn't a complicated game. I mean, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing on all fronts. It was a game management embarrassment. You know, they couldn't get off the field. I, I just think, to me, Cleveland, which has, you know, more than happily, as I always say, Cleveland scores 10 points to start the game. They always do, right? They have, <laughs> yeah. a, they have a, Their script is good. I mean, and then, Cle- and then Cleveland goes the entire game until uh, – uh, uh, all you got to do is put points on the board. They're gonna, you're going to win the game. Yeah, I was thinking about you during that first drive. I was like, man, this is exactly what Michael said with this Browns opening script there uh, as they went ahead and marched down the field to score that touchdown. But at the end of regulation, Michael, and this is what getting a lot of people wound up about Todd Bowles here, the Bucks had all three timeouts, and for some reason he wanted to play a little bit more conservative after that first play, let so much time go off the clock. Brady then connects with, I believe it was Godwin, to get the ball near uh, the 50-yard line. They might have been able to run a couple more plays to potentially get into field goal range and maybe win that game with a field goal. But what did you make of what Bowles was doing at the end of regulation there? I mean, I thought the whole game, I thought Leftwich was, I mean, their whole offensive game plan I thought was a disaster. I mean, I mean, look, this is life. You could say, well, Bruce Arians is gone. I don't know how much Bruce was doing with the offense. He wasn't calling it. But the mm-hmm. offense doesn't look like, A, it doesn't have an identity. B, he's got nobody that he trusts to throw the ball to. You know, they got the ball back with 32 seconds at their own 25, right? And so he throws a short pass for one year. You know what's driving me fucking absolutely berserk? It's driving me absolutely crazy. And I don't understand why nobody says anything on television. These two-yard completions in a two-minute drill that stay in bounds are the worst things you can throw in football. Like, that has to be eliminated. We can't make that throw. Throw an incomplete pass. Throw an incomplete pass. Don't throw a check down for two yards. Brady throws, a, you know, he got one yard. One yard, you know? And, and then he throws the deep pass to Julio for 26, so they call timeout. Now they got the ball at 48-yard line, and he throws a short pass to, to the tight end. I mean, we got to get the ball. You got to throw. You got you got to throw in. We had two timeouts. We can throw in cuts. Yeah. We can throw anything in the middle of the field. We got timeouts. Like this two-minute, like it's almost like they don't practice it. It's like we got no plan for two-minute. You, you know, you got to throw the ball in. If you're going to move the ball, you got to throw it in the middle of the field in two-minute. You can't – they're going to take away the sideline. They're going to take away that. It's horrible. I mean, it's really horrible. I, I, I thought, you know, Todd Bowles, I thought the decision to, to, to go for third and 11, are you kidding me? 
I mean, when they got that ball back with 235 to go in the game, you're saying to yourself, we got to win the game here, right? So mm-hmm. when you're watching a game, you always say at the in the fourth quarter, how many first downs do we need to win? So when that ball got back, I, 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 lo- I lose that to Russo. I mean, Russo's kicking my ass on Mad Dog Radio every week. I mean, it's a joke. He's so fucking lucky. He's got a four-leaf cover up his ass. I mean, Washington gets the ball in the end zone on the last yeah, attempt that was, that was touchdown. Ridiculous. He wins that one. I mean, thank- he takes the Raiders. He loves to take the Raiders because he knows I, 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 he knows I want the Raiders to win. <laughs> and so he's, he knows I'm rooting for him. It's, a, this, it's just a devilish way to do it, right? So – but and then this game, I mean, I took Cleveland, laid the three and a half. I did it in the bet bet givings. I think okay, seventeen, just get t- get the twenty, we win. But when we get the ball back with two minutes to go in the game, I'm thinking okay, Tommy, first down, get a first down here, two thirty five. All we need, all we need is two first downs, we win the game. Two first downs, we win the game. Mm-hmm. Because even if we have to punt, say we go three plays and get a first down, and they and they still have one timeout left, okay. The clock will go all the way down. We'll punt. They'll be barely it. They got to get seven. We'll win the game. You got to see. Here's what I think is a big issue. You have to, as a coach, as a game planner, you got to have a script for the fourth quarter. Like you got to have shit that you know is going to work. You got to adjust it on the. You got to put shit in on the sideline. Hey, we're getting a bunch of this. We got to do that. Hey, we're getting a bunch of this. Hey, we go back out there now. They're going to be playing a lot of this. They know we have to get a first down. Here's what we need to do. Like, that's called in-game management. You just can't keep running the same shit you've been running during the game. It's not going to work. I mean, like yesterday, I will get to it later, but the Raiders line up and they take, I don't know if you saw the play, they take Jacobs out and they put him outside, right? Mm-hmm. And they and they run the clear, and most people think you're going to run the bubble, but then Jacobs run a, like a little delay in there. I mean, they that... They hadn't seen that play before, and they ran it in at the most. You, you got to run stuff that people don't know. Brady misses this. This is what Brady's driving Brady crazy. I could see it in his face. He, he's used to going to the sideline, and they're adjusting the game. And clearly, in Tampa, they're not. It's bad all around for the Bucks, who are still in first place in that NFC South division. There, defensively, though, who are you betting? Who are you I, betting to win the South? I. I I wish nobody could go to the playoffs from that division. You know, to be quite honest, uh, today Matt today Matt Rule gets a Nebraska job. Just yeah. hypothetically, congratulations say, to Matt Rule. Yeah, yeah to congrats. I love Matt. Thank you, Matt. Good job. Uh, go Big Red. <laughs> but I think to me, you know, as Parcells would say, they still angle park in Lincoln. You know, it's amazing. Uh, they uh, that to me, like that he he's he loses he loses his job. I mean, think about it. If if York doesn't make that field goal in Week One. Mm-hmm. Think think of the thin line that we deal with every week in the NFL. Say York misses that fifty-eight yard field goal in Week One. What are the Panthers five and six? Yep. I mean they're sitting right there. If they got any quarterbacking play at all, they 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 could. I'm not saying they're the best team in the South. I, I don't know who the best team in the South is. I really don't know that. But I know this: they could they could have won the South. I mean they're sitting right there, and he got fired. I mean, you talk about, I mean, he got fired. I think Steve Wilkes has done a hell of a job. I, I think Steve Wilkes, if anything, Steve Wilkes has get, gotten a second chance. He's won a hell of a lot more games in, in Carolina than he did at Arizona. And, and there's another example of a team whose players are buying in against a team whose players weren't, right? And so the South, I don't know. I, I think Atlanta's going to win the South. Ooh. What do you think about that? I think I watched the Atlanta Falcons blow another game yesterday. Is what I think about that. They're gonna they're gonna be in every game to the end. They're the ten, they're, they're they're not any good, Femi. Quit thinking they're gonna be good. They're they terrible. But they ran the ball on Washington. Well, maybe we'll yeah. talk about it later. But they're sitting there at the end. It's a tip, goddamn pass, or they're gonna win the game. Yeah. I mean, Patterson was open. I, I bet the Falcons plus four and a half. So uh, uh, you don't have to remind me about what happened in that game. But we'll get to that one. Uh, but real quick, Michael, the Bucks are the leaders in the division right now, sitting at 5-6, and six, despite what we saw against the Cleveland Browns. Let's go to the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans. They had it rolling here this season. The Tennessee Titans were 7-3 and three entering to yesterday's game, but they lose to the Cincinnati Bengals in that rematch of last year's AFC Divisional game. Bengals beat them 20-16 to 16 yesterday without Jamar Chase. We thought Chase could play in this game. He looks like he needed another week. Sounds like he'll be able to play this upcoming Sunday against Kansas City, but Burrow and the Bengals get it done, and 
This is a team that I think is ascending. We talked about them last week about, hey, this is a team I think that can be a contender in the AFC. They're starting to ascend as they got a big-time win yesterday in Nashville. I, I like Tice, Tennessee, and the handicap of the game for me was I felt like Tennessee's defensive front would hit Burrow, and I handicapped that wrong. I was wrong on that. The, the Bengal offensive line played really well yesterday. They really did. They protected, uh, they protected Burrow, and, and really, if you want to know how to win the game, just put on the fourth quarter of the Bengals-Titans game. The Bengals had the ball for the final six minutes of the game, and Tennessee never got it back. It was 2016. Now they got helped by that penalty of of, of, a, of hitting the center, mm-hmm. you know, on the field goal, which would have made it a, a one-score game, and they could have gotten the ball back. But, look, they, they did a great job. They had 28 rushes in the game for 108 yards. It wasn't pretty. Burrow didn't, wasn't sacked. He was sacked one time for four yards. Didn't get hit very much. And... You know, they, they did enough to win the game. They didn't make any mistakes. And I, and I you know, they say, well, you know, they held Henry to 2.2 a carry. Yeah, they did. But Tannehill played well. I mean, Tannehill played well. He had, you know, he only had 12 incomplete passes. You know, he was only sacked one time. He got the ball. He made two explosive plays in the game. But, look, winning the game in the NFL is winning the fourth quarter. And the Bengals had 18 plays in the fourth quarter. They had five, eight first downs, and they kept the ball on the last drive, and Tennessee never got it. When you look at the drive chart of this game, you're just remarkable because you sit there and say in the second half, you know, the second half, they only the, the they only had four possessions in the second half, the Titans. Just four. They had four in the four, second quarter alone. They had four possessions and they got and basically they got six first downs in the second half. This Lou Amaromo guy, the, I don't know Lou at all, he, but I think this guy does a hell of a job. He's I mean, legit. I think he does a hell of a yeah. job. And, and he does a hell of a job with adjusting. You know, we're talking about Brian Leftwich, Byron Leftwich not adjusting and coming up. This guy does a great job. In the second half, he figures out a way to get his defense fixed. And where Tennessee was really good, okay, going into the game, you said to yourself, Tennessee will win because they'll pressure Burrow. And they're really good in the red zone. They'll score touchdowns. They won't kick field goals. Guess what happened? They settled for they settled for field goals. They had three field goals in the game. Their red, it was the worst red zone day for the Titans all year. And you got to credit the Cincinnati Bengals defensive coaching staff for that. That was the story of the Bengals' run to the Super Bowl last year. Those second-half adjustments that they were making were just so incredible. And uh, Anarumo, I don't know if he's going to get a head coaching job this year or maybe next year, but he's going to be a head coach someday I, I based mean, on what he's, he's been doing. He's probably not young enough. He should probably get a wig. He should probably do some cosmetic changes, you know, look younger, you know, put on a leisure suit like Sinatra yeah. did or something. You know, like, wear, I wear mean, I got to slimmer pants, be, you know. Wear slimmer <laughs> pants, you know. Kind of go around. Look, I, you know, experience doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh yeah, it matters a lot. Like yeah. we'll just ask haircut. Big Daddy. Just ask Big Daddy Vince if experience matters. Uh, we love Vrabel here on the pod, but I got to ask you this about Vrabel yesterday, because the decision to kick that thirty-eight yard field goal when it was fourth and five, knowing what we know about the game and how it played out and how they weren't able to affect Joe Burrow, did you agree with Vrabel kicking that field goal instead of trying to go for it to potentially tie the game? Uh, I, I I agree. I had agreed with it. I mean, I think to me, you know, he he was figuring he was going to get the ball back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was not figuring that he was they were going to have it with six oh seven to go. I don't think he thought that he wasn't getting the ball back. I think he felt like the strength of my team is my defense, you know. And if I don't get points here, you know, I'm screwed. So I can win the game if I get points here and get the ball back. I got a chance to win the game. You know, and unfortunately, he didn't do it. You know, he could have, you know, I thought he was going to get the ball back. I said, oh, this is perfect. He's going to win 23 20. I did agree with it. I think to me in the fourth quarter, again, fourth quarter is a standalone game, but they couldn't get a stop. I mean, that last drive, they had 12 plays, 58 yards, and they, they got four first downs. I mean, this, they did an incredible job. They scored a touchdown. I mean, give them credit. And I don't give Zach Taylor credit very often, but yeah. they did a great job. And they won the game in their fourth. I mean, look, the, what killed them? You know what killed them? The, the field goal at the end of the half. I mean, th- that field goal at the end of the half, Femi, you know, the missed field goal from the Cincinnati 17, you know, at the end of the half, that game's going to be what was it going to It was going to be 13-10 Titans. Now, all of a sudden, now when you're down there, it's and that you're down 20 to 13, you know, you'd have been down 20 to 16, you know, so maybe you go for it at that point, but you kick it. But that missed field goal, that, that's a turnover that doesn't show up in the turnover sheet. It, it, that was the killer of the game. 
That can't happen if you want to win the game. Michael, let's shoot up to the Pacific Northwest. What a game we saw yesterday afternoon wow. between the Raiders and the Seahawks. Vegas stunning Seattle 40-34 to in overtime. Josh Jacobs channeling his inner Bo Jackson, walking it off there in Seattle. Get this, 303 yards from Josh Jacobs is a Raiders record for total yards from scrimmage. Also ninth most in NFL history. Jacobs, who's in a free agent contract year, has been one of the best, if not the best, running back in the NFL this season as he won it for the Raiders yesterday. I mean, remarkable. Raiders won two games on the road in overtime. You know, last time the Raiders started out a game like this, uh, I think you remember last year in Las Vegas, they started mm-hmm. out with a fumble. Yep. And I think Mike Hughes picked it up and ran for a touchdown. And Kansas City won like 41-14. I mean, this is the first play of the game. They throw an interception. They're down 7 nothing before, you know, you know, I'm. I got to listen to his mother complaining. They're down seven nothing in the first quarter. I mean, you know, it's horrible. But I, I think the difference in this team is, and I've said this three weeks ago when everybody was on Josh's ass. I, I've always felt like they, the players, were buying in. This is not Josh in Denver. This is this is a different. The guy who's matured and learned. Nobody wants to give him credit for that, but he has. And and I'm not saying this because my son's there, but I because I think you could see it in the players play. I think you could see it how they play. They're in these clo- they're in these close games. Are they any good? Of course they're not any good. They got they got they're missing a ton of players. You know, like everybody, but they found a way to win. I mean, they put up an unbelievable amount of yards. They hung in the game. You know, they had a chance to they had a chance to win the game. You know, in in regulation, and they couldn't you know make the play that they needed to make. They got it to overtime, and you know they they scored the long thing. I mean, it was really a hell of a job by them in terms of protecting their quarterback on the road. They run the ball 40 times, they get called for holding. That's impressive. That's incredible. You know, they get called for holding, they run it 40 times. And they and Carr only got touched four times. I mean, the play of the game that almost cost them was they ran toss crack late in the game and they got it stuffed, right? I mean, if they sneak it there, it's a first down. Now, I don't know what the communication was between it, but to me, anytime you come to the line on a short yardage play, you got you have two you have two options if if the if the if it's stacked inside you want to run toss cracked if it's not stacked you want to goose and go and they didn't and they gave the ball back but credit the Raider defense they made the plays at the end of the game when they had to make them it's a big loss for the Seahawks who now were once six and three now six and five a game back from the San Francisco 49ers and we talked about that Seattle defense last week you're still buying in I'm kind of out on them yesterday seven point five yards per play allowed. 576 yards allowed by that Seattle defense. I know the Raiders' offense can be tricky, but we're seeing some serious regression from that unit. Well, I, I think that, that when you can, when they can't get pressure and you can block them, I mean, think about it, Femi, though. I mean, the Raiders made explosive plays for touchdowns, and that's always the killer, right? You know, they have an 86-yard play for a touchdown. They've got a 36-yard play for a touchdown. they got a 30-yard play for a touchdown. they got an 18-yard play for a touchdown. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, if you're going to play good defense and hold the team down, you can't let you can't have walk off. You can't have home, long home runs. I mean, that's that that's the equivalent of one run. You know, you can't do that. And and that's where I think Seattle. They're tackling by the second on oh, the Josh Jacobs play. You know, the remarkable thing about the Jacobs play was they. I heard Josh McDaniel say this uh, on a video after the game. They didn't think he was going to play. Yeah, he kind of hurt a he tweaked a calf. And then the broadcast, because I had the broadcast on, the broadcast said that, uh, and happy birthday, Adam Marshalletta, by the way. He, he got a birthday cake in the middle of the game. Not that the game's important. We'll wish him a happy birthday. Why not? Happy anyway, birthday, Adam. So, Adam, yeah. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they, during the game, they announced he was out. And then he came, and then, he, and then, he, then, he, then basically, I think it happened in overtime. He just said, look, I'm playing in overtime. Put me back mm-hmm. in the game. And the kid went out there and played. I was I was amazed at his speed on that play, Femi, especially after how many times he carried the ball. It's pretty crazy when you factor in the calf injury that he had there that he was able to do that. But uh, a fantastic game there for Josh Jacobs. The Raiders now won two straight back-to-back games in overtime on the road. Michael, let's take another break, and then we'll get to the Atlanta Falcons and Washington Commanders on the other side. 
All right, Michael, let's get to the rest of Sunday's slate and also some of the Turkey Day games as well here. But Commanders, Michael, beat the Falcons 19-13, and this is one of those in the box score you're going to be scratching your head asking why the Falcons lost this game. But Commanders moved to 7-5 and on the season as they are fully entrenched now into this NFC wildcard picture. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> that was one of those games. I was surprised, Femi, that that Atlanta was able to run the ball on this front. I really was. I, and I, I, I think Arthur, Arthur Smith has done an incredible job of, mm-hmm. you know, Bill Walsh used to say all the time, every coach wants to scheme pass plays because it's fun. You know, we do this, this. But the, the true mark of a great coach is how to design a run game specifically for the opponent you're going to play. Now, that sounds kind of strange coming from Coach Walsh, the, the, the inventor of the West Coast offense, but that's how he viewed the game. I mean, that's how he viewed it. He wanted to be able to figure out how are we going to run the ball because he knew, and this is before we got into 50-pass games, he knew that throwing the ball that many times wasn't going to be productive for what he wanted to do. So for them to go in there and run it 29 times for 167 yards, you know, and Patterson's got 50. Ag- Algier, I think his name is. Is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah, Al- Tyler Algier. Algier, he's got 54. I mean, you know, Mariota's got 49. I mean, they just kind of wore them down. And to have that chance at the end of the game was all really Atlanta wanted. I mean, they played it as close as they could. They did a great job of keeping the, keeping themselves attached. And, you know, they just didn't make the play at the end of the game. And, unfortunately, the ball got tipped. But... I think this is one of the best coaching jobs in the league, Atlanta. I, I, they're a hard team to play, and they're a little healthier on defense than you think. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how they do down the stretch. And it could be because week 18, I know they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Atlanta. That could be for the NFC South division, though. But on the Washington side, Michael, because everyone has Heineke fever. They're 6-1 and one with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. He's going to be the guy going forward, barring any sort of injury. Uh, are you buying into this Washington team as a playoff team and potentially as one of those playoff teams that one of these contenders doesn't want to see come January? I, I'm not going to buy them. And, t- you know, I think to me, they're a nice team. A Heineke, you know, to me, he's going to always make one mistake a game, especially over the middle of the field like he did yesterday. I mean, that's just predictable. But give them credit now. I think what Scott Turner's done the last couple of weeks is he's figured out I got to run the football. And they had 37 carries for 176 yards. And, and the longest run was 21 yards. So when I say that, they, they're a lot of three and four, like they did against Philly, three and four yard runs. And they controlled the game. They controlled the game with their running game. It wasn't flashy. You know, they weren't great on third down. Neither was Atlanta. But they were able to, 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 to control the ball 33 minutes and give their team a chance to win in the fourth quarter. That's the way it's going to be with Washington. It's going to be a fourth quarter game. And, and if you don't turn the ball over, they got a chance to win it. If Heineke protects the ball better, they, they got a chance to win it. That that front, if they get chased back, that'll help them on third down plays. But to me, I, I think you got to – they found out that we can't be – even though we have really good skill players, we've got we to slow the game down for us to win it. The next few weeks for the Commanders, it's going to be a doozy. They play at the Giants on Sunday. Then they get a bye. Then they host the Giants on December 18th. That's going to likely decide who's going to be – we got a yeah, playoff game playoff in the Meadowlands this week. We yeah. got a playoff game in the Meadowlands this weekend. I agree. You know, it's gonna be a lot of fun. That, that's what makes that's what makes December, November, December about the NFL so good. People say, "Well, the slate was shitty yesterday." Yeah, like I get Houston, Miami was a <laughs> shitty game. I mean, who cares? Okay, you know, I get that. You know, there was some shitty game, but there's some playoff games. Yep. Yeah. And and those are the ones you got to. Cincinnati, Tennessee was a playoff game. I mean, that was back and forth. It was great to watch. It was physical. You know, even New Orleans, San Francisco, as bad as that game was, it was fun to watch. This upcoming week slate is going to be a lot of fun to watch with some playoff games and potential playoff matchups that we could get. But uh, we'll keep it moving with the game that we saw on Sunday Night Football last night. Philadelphia Eagles improved to 10-1 and on the season. They go ahead and beat the Packers 40-33, to and which was pretty wild from a scoring perspective. I think the total in this game was hovering around those mid-40s or so. They went over that at halftime, the total there for the game, as we saw the Eagles just run all over the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I mean, look, so Big Daddy's girlfriend that he lives with, his Mm -hmm. Big Daddy's uh, wife, unfortunately, left us years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had a a brain tumor, wonderful woman. And, and, you know, the kids were young at the time. He's got two daughters. He's got a son who's a doctor. He's got another daughter who's a doctor. He's got a son who's in the Army. 
And so he lives with the, he has a girlfriend he's had for a long time, and she's a diehard Eagle fan. Diehard, everything Philadelphia fan, mm-hmm. right? And so that, now this is the worst scenario for Big Daddy. So I sent him a text yesterday. I said, I wish I had Kinch's because he watches Hogan's Hero every night at 10 o'clock. I don't know if you've ever seen Hogan's Hero, but no. Kinch is the guy who does all the technology stuff back in the 60s. So they had this coffee pot that was like a radio transmission that they would listen to the conversations in Colonel Clink's office, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, I wish I had Kinch's coffee pot to listen to you and Susan watching the game tonight. <laughs> he said, so he sends me back. Believe me, I won't be having anything positive to say about Green Bay. Oh, so I said, this I know. This I know. So the Eagles win by two touchdowns or more? I said, no, I think it'll be a close game. You think so? I don't think Green Bay could stop Hurts from running all over the place. Now, this was sent at, this is before the game. Right? I said, I think they can make it a game. We'll see. Let's see if LaFuck and Barry put a game plan together. I'm sure they'll dazzle you. Oh, my God. I probably want to throw up. Barry is worse than LaFuck. I have the I have the Mavs-Bucks game. This is brilliant. I have the Mavs-Bucks game at 8 o'clock. So if the Packers start to stink up the game, I can switch over. I don't know how he's going to do that because Susan's going to want to watch the game. Yeah, she wants her Eagles. <laughs> right? I said, why would you watch the Mavs-Bucks? He said, because there'll be a good game. I like watching Giannis and Luka. We're going to lose the end of the Raiders game. Keep me posted on the red zone. I said, I certainly will. Okay, so anyway, the game starts. First first text from him, you're kidding. Jesus Christ. I said, it's early. That's what sucks. It's early and we suck. I said, at least La- La- Heath loves the fact that LaFuck gets a haircut every week. Like, he loves this. Like, there must be a barber that comes in and cuts LaFuck's hair every week. Because it's always trimmed up. I mean, it looks like nice. it's it's always don't, – don't you ever see it's always perfect? Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I mean, we're only six minutes into the game, and I'm already embarrassed. I said, LaFuck has a plan. Don't worry. Did you? T-, I said, did you two go out to dinner last night to go over some things? Meaning him and LaFleur. He said, Goot couldn't even find a kick returner. And so LaFleur has no plan. The defense either. Barry has lost. And here's the line that got me. I mean, Green Bay's defense was supposed to be stellar. Jesus, they suck. Savage is a pussy. Walker can't tackle. They get no pressure on Hurts. I mean, no respect. I mean, how many more pathetic performances do we get before we see changes made? <laughs> to put all is that, that brilliant? That's just... Is it brilliant? <laughs> I can I mean, just picture him just furious this? watching the game last night. Who doesn't love it? <laughs> Who doesn't love it? And he's right. I mean, he, you know, like, I mean, the Eagles, were they never stopped the Eagles. Like, that was like, that was something like they'd never even seen it before. It's, they, they found out that Jalen Hurts was a running quarterback last night. Is, is yeah, what they shocking, found. right? <laughs> the Eagles. the first play of the game. The guy had 17 carries for 157. Oh, and by the way, if you don't want him to carry it, we're going to give it to Miles Sanders. He's got 20. I mean, they had fi- almost 50 rushes for 363. It's a college stat line. <laughs> it, that's exactly. It's the Oklahoma when when Lincoln was there. It's the Caleb Williams stat line. It is a college stat line. Hurts, by the way, go. It's the most rushing yards for an Eagles quarterback in franchise history. Oh, by the way, there for Jalen Hurts, he put his name back in the MVP conversation for the passing. Sixteen of twenty-eight, one fifty-three, two touchdowns, no interceptions from Jalen Hurts. They put up forty points on the Packers side, though, because we did see Aaron Rodgers leave the game with that oblique injury. Jordan Love comes in. He goes six of nine, one thirteen, and a touchdown. Nice pass there to Christian Watson on the TD. We're going to find out later this week how Rodgers is feeling. He said yesterday after the game that he wants to play on Sunday as long as the x-rays play. go okay as they take on the Bears this upcoming weekend. But, Love, at what point do you kind of put this there's thing no in point. there? There's no point. Femi, there's no point. You don't, you, want play, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to see Love? No, of course I don't. I want to. Pl- I mean, I just paid Rodgers. I just loaded up a Brinks truck and gave it to Rodgers. Why would I want to see Love? Maybe you could audition him and trade him to somebody else. Yeah, I, that's I, that that, yeah. Uh, that tape right there. That six for nine. That's a good enough audition right there. <laughs> that's good enough. Put that's that good. in there. Sell that. Wrap that up. You it's know, like a movie a trailer on that bad boy. Yeah. Hey, look at this guy. I mean, we would play him, but you know, we can't. Oh, hell yeah. Less is more. Less is more. Less of lovey means more of lovey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you don't want to expose him out there too much. But yeah, six and nine. He looked pretty sharp last night entering in that game. And thank God for him. He got through the back door for me. I went ahead and had the Packers plus seven and a half, and that was an experience. How did you get seven and a half? I uh, never our, saw our, seven and a half the our, whole our, week. Our buddies, uh, Chris Andrews and Vinny Maiulo at the South Point. This time last week, Monday morning, I went ahead and bet that they hung a seven and a half, and I said this isn't going to hang around, so I got to get this now. So that was wow, what nice it, was all, it was always needed to, to go ahead and win that bet because they Big went ahead Daddy would have taken the Eagles at seven and a half. Big Daddy might have taken the Eagles at ten. <laughs> ten, yeah. 
But Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they, uh, they, they hung in there in that game. Though. But, but Michael, I let's mean, go. Oh. Just think about it, though, before we go real quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, how bad is the game plan by Green Bay? I mean, think it's about it. It's pretty bad. It was pretty and bad. Even and even on the offensive side, I mean, you did nothing to control the game. You did nothing to control the game. I mean, you had the ball. Basically, Philly had the ball 35 minutes. You had a 24. It's not great. Not great for the nope. Packers. Is uh, Roger says he wants to keep playing as long as they're mathematically alive. Uh, that 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 clock is uh, the time is running out on that based on how they've been playing. Niners went ahead and shut out the Saints yesterday afternoon. Michael, pretty ugly game, but that Niners defense once again showing why they're one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, then and they had a chance to, and the Niners weren't great on offense, but I, I could you could feel this momentum. The Niners are healthy, and and you could feel the mm-hmm. momentum of their team coming. And they have a lot of confidence. Now, this will be a great game this week. They got Miami coming to town, you know, and they know they know Matt, they they know the coach, so they know McDaniel's, and they, you know they they'll understand how to do it. This will be a huge challenge for the Miami offense, right? Huge challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, Garoppolo wasn't great. He had that one pick that that got called back for defensive holding. But look, there's the constant pressure and the tackling and the speed of this of this defense of San Francisco. Is really the difference. And look, when 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 Kamara can't get going, the average is under two yards a carry. How are they going to win a game? Yeah, it's over at that point if he can't get going. The New York Jets got back into the win column yesterday. They yeah. beat the Chicago Bears thirty-one to ten. Trevor Simeon starts for Justin Fields. Uh, that went about as how we all thought it would go. But how about Mike White becoming the first QB in NFL history to have multiple games with at least seventy-five percent completion percentage, three hundred yards, and three passing TDs within his first. Four career starts. That's courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, Mike White and this Jets team, they're, they're, they're flying high after that win. Average 7.5 yards of play. Here's the problem. When you when you go down this six-pack attack, now the Eagles have a different quarterback in Minshew with Hurts, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if Hurts gets hurt, they have to kind of go to more. But their offensive line can be adaptive in that area. Yeah, They won't be the same running team as they are if Minshew. They'll be a different passing team. But when you when you have Fields, you have to have a quarterback behind him that's like Fields because you can't you can't pivot. Like they started the game off and they 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 scored a touchdown, and they got a field goal. But once you run out of plays on how you're going to play it, the other team's going to adjust. And so as the the longer the game went on, the Jets were able to get control of it and they dominated. I mean, they averaged seven yards per play. I mean, they look like a completely different offense. Dolphins cruise past the Houston Texans 30-15. to Miami has now scored 30-plus points in four consecutive games. Last time they did that, Michael, was back in 2009. But the one concern, though, Teron Armstead, their stud left tackle, we've talked about him, has injuries all throughout his career. He left the game with a pec injury. We'll see what happens with that one going forward. But the That's Dolphins horrible. offense, they, they continue to keep it going. Uh, you know, I, the, look, the Dolphins have played, you talk about Gonzaga's schedule. I mean, this Dolphin team's played as easy a schedule as you can get. Now it's going to get a little harder. Now we'll mm-hmm. see really where they are. I thought, actually, to be honest with you, I thought they would have been more explosive yesterday than they ended up being. I mean, it's 30 to nothing and they shut it down. Yeah. The question really here is, and we need to address this on Thursday, I mean, where's Houston going? I mean, they, they've gone from bad to badder to baddest. I mean, they're just terrible. They don't get better. If you own the team, you're saying, where's my hope? How do I get better? You're one of the worst offenses in all of football, scheme-wise. I mean, there's high schools in Texas that run a better offense than the Texans do. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to the Texas high school coaches. But this is as bad as it gets. Their offensive line doesn't get better. Like, if you're you're Nick Cesario, you're saying, wait a minute, I got a six-year contract. I got to start showing some progress here. Like, where is the progress? There's none. You're running a defense that goes back to the to, to early 2000s. People know what they're doing. It's not a good situation down there in Houston. And finally, the last game from Sunday, Chiefs-Rams. This was America's game of the week. It was America's dud of the week. Chiefs went ahead and won 26-10. It's pretty much like a fake game, to be quite honest. Bryce Perkins started Pre-season for L.A. Game. Yeah, it was a fake game. Like, like, what, like, what was that game? I, and they still covered. Yeah, they, they did still cover. covered. Fifteen and a half. The only thing about this game was Shaw. I thought Shaw McVay was going to have to miss the game because he got he got the shit kicked out of him yeah. on that uh, on that. I mean, I, I bet he's got a headache today. I mean, look, is he questionable? Look, is he in the protocol for uh, this upcoming I, week? I, I mean, look, this Ram team has got a long way to go now. I mean, I, Stafford's not coming back. Mm-hmm. This offensive line's a disaster. Yeah, they're three and eight, and it's. It's off the rails. They lost Allen Robinson for the rest of the season. Now he got hurt on Friday's practice. Cooper Cup is probably not going to come back. It's going to look ugly 
for the Los Angeles Rams here. Uh, and you wanted to get to some of these Thanksgiving games, Michael, here real quick. I we'll, just want to talk we'll, about, we'll, we'll talk I think we should Campbell. have a moment on the okay. podcast. I know we've got to go. I mean, I know we're running long here to get to the awards in the next block, but I, I think we should have a Dan Campbell how to not manage a game moment. Uh, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. Day, I got COVID. I'm sitting up on the third floor. I'm not allowed to see anybody. But I can see Dan Campbell, you know, and I'm watching this guy. And all I'm listening to on the broadcast is how great, you know, what a great coach he's done, what vitalized, how that, how they're not the same Lion team. I get that. They're playing hard. I, I, mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, I, I think that, you know, and they I mean, they're hard. doing a good job. Yeah, they play they're hard. doing a good job managing the quarterback. But at some point, the coach cost you the game. The coach cost you the game. And you say, well, how did Campbell cost you the game? Okay, let's go through it. Let's just talk about it here. Let's just quietly go through it easily. Okay, so at the at, what do we we talk? Everybody talks about the middle eight. Like the, you know, I love how everybody talks about. I heard the head coach at Dan Lanning at halftime said, "Oh yeah, we got to win the middle eight. I, I, nobody ever gets credit for it, but the middle eight, everybody says it. Okay, let's go through it. So, you know, so at the end of the first half, you know, Buffalo is getting the ball to start the second half. So. You got a chance. This game could get away from you, okay? That's what I'm thinking when I'm watching it. This game could get away from you. Now, on the BetCast, we took Buffalo and laid the points. I thought it was a good play. I still think it's a good play. So you come out there, and you start driving the ball. You get a touchdown that gets called back, okay? So they spot the ball. You got first and goal with the two, all right? First and goal with the two. The two-minute warning is going to happen in eight seconds. But not for you, Dan Campbell. Not for you, Dan Campbell. No, no, no. Not for you. Why would you? You throw the ball here, which is a golden rule. Al Davis would have fired you if you throw the ball at 208 to go in the half. Because you just because if it's incomplete, you give him another play. So he throws the ball, goes incomplete. Okay? So then on second down, he runs the ball. Now we get the two-minute warning. Okay, great. All right? Third down, they run it again. Buffalo calls their first time out. Mm. All right, 155, fourth and one from the one he goes for it, he gets it. Okay, great, perfect, okay. Kicks the ball in bounds naturally. Buffalo has the ball with 152 to go in the half, and they kick a field goal, okay. Now they start the second half off, and fortunately, once again, Jared Goff, uh, once again, you know, my man uh, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen, he gets sat, he gets he he gets intercepted on a tip pass, and they have the ball. But not to be deterred, Dan Campbell on third and 15 from his own three-yard line decides to go straight drop back instead of just saying, you know what, fellas, just just fucking punt the ball and get the hell out of here. He gets up a safety. So there's two more points I just gave away, right? Mm -hmm. There's two points I gave away. All right? So now I come back. Now let's go to the end of the game. This is where it gets – this is really where you're paying $6 million or $7 million or $8 million to to manage the game. No, no, the first half's the one-two now. Yeah. When you throw the ball with 208 to go, that's a, that's, a, that's a felony. That's a malpractice felony right there, okay? So now you get the ball with 240 to go in the game. You have it at your own 25-yard line. You have two objectives. We want to win the game. That's one. Number two, we want to at least get the game to overtime. And the third objective is we don't want Buffalo to get the ball back, okay? So we've got to coordinate those three forces within our offensive game, all right? So they're doing good. They're moving the ball up the middle. They start to get. They start to drive off with a run. They let that clock go, you know, all the way it goes down to two ten, right? And they get it all the way down to two ten. So they run the ball up the middle at two forty to go. What does he do? He runs it again on second and seven with two ten. The clock's going to run out. You could have just taken it down, right? Mm-hmm. But the, they reset the twenty five, so he's got to run a play, right? So all of a sudden, then he's got first and ten. He gets the first down. He goes short, let they throw a pass. He goes out of bounds. They stop the clock with 210 to go. They run it with two, they run it all the way down. The two-minute warning happens. Okay? So now they keep running it down the field. Here's where it gets interesting. You have a third and one to go at Buffalo's 33-yard line. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. You third and one. Yep. Buffalo, you used a timeout on the challenge, but played a four to stop the clock with, with 37 seconds to go. They reset the clock back. Now it's 32. Third and one, you throw an incomplete pass. Mm. Third and one. Why would you call that? Like, if you're on the headset and you're the head coach, you would say, we can't call that. We cannot call that. We're going to run it here. We're going to put the ball in play. We're going to get a first down. And if we don't get a first down, you know, we'll let the clock go all the way down. We'll kick the field goal. We'll get it to overtime. Oh, no. Don't do that. Okay. All right. There's only 32 seconds left to go. All right. Now, what do you do? 
23 seconds to go. Make sure you kick it out of bounds so they don't. Even though they have three timeouts, let's kick it out of bounds. So we'll give them, you know, so they don't. So kick them out of bounds. They lose the game on a 45 yarder. It's that's how you lose a game. <laughs> that's how you lose a game on Turkey Day. How do there. you make eight million a year and not know this shit? How do I sit in this office in New Jersey and and I'm sitting sick in my broom, saying to the guy, "Don't do that, don't do that." And yet he does it. And yet on television, they're telling me what a great coach. Like there's strategy to this. Like the, this is strategy. This is what you get paid. You think they give you $8 million to just stand there and tell players to play hard? But they play hard. <laughs> they play hard I on Thanksgiving. Up. All right, I'm done <laughs> on my it. rant. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> Let's take our final break. We'll get to the awards and Monday Night Football on the other side. All right, Michael, let's hand out some hardware from over the weekend. Who's going on the lamp? Well, I mean, Big Daddy wants Joe Barry on the lamb. He wants Matt LaFleur on the lamb. But I think Denver's got to go on the lamb. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, Femi, I, I, don't, I don't want anybody to get fired. I've been fired. It's painful. It hurts. You know, it's, it's a blow to your ego. And I don't want that. But to me, Den- the franchise is more important than anything. And their franchise needs to redirection. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one there for the Denver Broncos with Nathaniel Hackett. Best game plan of the week, the Fred Palermo Award. Give it to Jacksonville. I mean, they hung in there. They scored, what, 18 points in the fourth quarter. They were able to hang around. They threw the ball really well on Baltimore. They didn't run it. They didn't have ATN. Give it to Jacksonville. And then if you don't know, now you know. I think Jacksonville pissed away the season. I think they could be the best team in the South. I really do. I think I think if they can build some confidence with this quarterback, he might have turned the corner. He looks really good. He looked really good yesterday. And then finally, the David Ogilvy, the fraud of the week. I mean, they got to be Tampa. I mean, you got a bye week coming off a big win in Munich. You got the ball with 17 10 lead against a shitty Browns team that's really playing for nothing other than Deshaun coming back next week, and you can't get first downs and you can't put the game away. Fraud, fraud, fraud. <laughs> with a capital F. And finally, let's go. Monday Night Football tonight is in Indianapolis. Steelers taking on the Colts at our show sponsor, DraftKings. Colts, two and a half point favorites, total 39 and a half. Oh, I can't wait for the love affair that's going to happen for Jeff Saturday on television today. Oh, my God. It's his former coworkers, man. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait for this love affair. Oh, my God. It's like a Vita coming back. Holy shit. This is unbelievable. I mean, look, I, I don't like the Steelers team. I think they're, you know, their offensive line – this Colt defense is good. I think the only way the Steelers win and cover this is they got to create turnover. They have to get the Colts playing like they did early in the year where Matt Ryan turns the ball over. And that's mm-hmm. they're very capable. I think I would take this the Colts and lay the points. Oh, okay. But I, I have no action in this game. I took the Steelers plus three earlier last week there. So uh, it's a close game. You're the king flip. of getting great numbers. You're you, the king you gotta, of getting great numbers. You got to act early, Michael. These markets, they start to mature. You got to act early. The, 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 the hay is in the barn by usually Thursday or Friday. And then we sit back and we see how it all unfolds in the witching hour where you hope to uh, win more than you oh, lose. Oh, let's start. Wait, wait, we got to talk about that. I got more texts. I have not. Now, we were in week 12. I've yet to hear his voice. I've not had his voice on the whole time. The, the man, not, not Andrew Siciliano, the other guy who Scott does Hansen? Red Zone. I haven't heard his voice. Yeah. No, don't say his name. I don't want not all, nothing to do with it. But I've gotten more from people on Twitter, friends of mine that have texted me. He's out of control. Yesterday, he was completely out of control. Like, unbelievable. In fact, somebody there said that, you know, it's just it, it just happens once a year. I, I don't know. Did you listen to him? I didn't hear I, it. I didn't get to see. I was with family yesterday, so I didn't. I, I, got, I watched the Raiders-Seahawks game, but, so I didn't have my red zone package, my usual setup, but I, I heard there was an they article that was, was put out there. They said he was out of control. Yeah, there, they said he was out of control. Yeah, there was an article Coach put Hansen, out there. Coaching the whole team up. Yeah, because people go to the red zone to hear him. There's no doubt. I know that. Mute. Mute. We'll end the pod on a mute. That does it for this week's edition of the podcast. Uh, We'll talk to you guys on Thursday as we preview what's going to be a monster slate for week number 13. But thank you to our producer, Stephen Bond, as always on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to you guys listening. Hope you had a good holiday Thanksgiving weekend. And subscribe, rate, and review as always. And, Michael, I will talk to you on Thursday.